Good morning. Well, this is different. So let's pray. Father, Lord, we love you so very much. We thank you that, Lord, that you knew this day, this hour, this time, these circumstances would be just as they are. And we thank you that you still reign from heaven. You are still Lord over all. And we pray that you would give us wisdom, understanding, and discernment that we might know your heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is very different because I'm used to looking at a lot of smiling faces and I can't see your beautiful faces, but I know that you're here. So let's act as if we're just home and do what we normally do. So turn with me, if you will, to the book of Exodus. We're going to look at a couple of encounters this morning because God's word for us this morning is actually a question. And the question is, where are you? Where are you? So turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 1, and we'll look at the first encounter. And I can't hear you say amen, but I'm going to presume that you're there. So here we go. Exodus chapter 1, and I think I said, I did, I said 1. Let's go to Exodus 3. See, it's just like we're home. Okay, Exodus chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 1 and read to verse 4. Here we go. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Now go with me to the New Testament, to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. And while you're turning there, in Luke, chapter 2, I'll just give you the background. We normally talk about this at Christmas time, but the Lord wants to speak about it now. And this is where Mary and Joseph have gone to Bethlehem to give birth to the Savior. So we're in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 8 down to verse 15. So Luke 2, 8 to 15, here we go. Now there were, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven 
that the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Let's just go two verses more. Verse 16, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. I am utterly fascinated, utterly fascinated at the time that we're in right now. As trying as it is and as frightening and as unsettling as it can be sometimes, I'm utterly fascinated by the time that we're in because God has the attention of the entire world, the whole world, not just one place with a tsunami or one place with an earthquake, the whole world. And it doesn't make any difference where you are, what your occupation is, how much money you make, how important you are. He has everyone's attention right now. And I can honestly say I never could imagine a circumstance like that in my lifetime. But he has the attention of every place and every country. This week, I've, I've had more than a dozen different discussions with people about our current trial and God. And they range from, why is God doing this? To, where is your God? To, what's wrong with your God? To, if there were a God, this wouldn't be happening. What is he doing? So think about that last one. If there were a God, this wouldn't be happening. So what is he doing? The common denominator is not that people want to know so much, what, what am I doing? What am I supposed to do? But they're looking for an answer, and the answer is a person. The very person whom they blame, the very person to whom they're crying out, the very person of whose name they speak is the answer for which they are looking. And it does not matter whether it is a believer or a non-believer. The non-believers right now are looking for an answer. And man does not have one. But they know that the believer does. And they range from things like God doesn't care. With all these people dying, if God cared, why doesn't he do something? Uh, it, one person told me, well, obviously prayer doesn't work because this wouldn't be happening. It doesn't even matter that none of those things make sense. They express hearts that are in fear. They express hearts that have no hope. They just don't know. So we're going to get back to some basics this morning. And in the book of Acts, in chapter 20, one of the things that Paul says is, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole gospel or the whole counsel of God. So in a nutshell, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at the whole counsel of God and one of the things that Peter says is, I won't be negligent to remind you of those things that you know and you are established in the present truth. So for the family of God, we're going to talk about things that we know, but the Lord wants us to be reminded of them. Because remember, his question right now is, where are you? Okay, where are you? So over 2,000 years ago, this is the day, right, that the Lord wrote in to 
the praise and the accolades and the palms being laid, right? This is the day. And so isn't it ironic that we're now here standing at this time, the time that he came, and people are saying, well, what's supposed to happen now? Now what's going to happen? After the Lord ascended, his disciples asked him, after, upon his return, are you now going to return the rule to Israel? Are you now going to establish it? And he told them, it's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. All of these questions that we have, what's happening, what caused it, whose fault is it, why isn't it? Actually, none of those are the point right now. None of those are the point. The point is very simply this. In spite of everything, where are you? Where are you? That's the Lord's question. Let's look back to Moses. So Moses finds himself in the desert. He's on the backside of the desert where he had to flee after killing an Egyptian for rescuing one of his brethren. And he finds himself out there on the backside of the desert working for his father-in-law. And the Lord comes to him in a bush, but the key there is Moses' response. When the bush burned, he says, I will now turn aside and look. And the, God tells us that when he saw that he turned to look, he spoke. Right now is the time that you and I need to turn aside to look. Whatever we have been doing up until now, right now, does not matter. What matters now is where are you now? If you have not been in love with God before, let this be the time you fall in love with him. If your love has grown cold, let this be the time that renews it. Because just like Moses turned to look and God responded, he'll respond now too. This is not an accident. It doesn't even matter why we're here. In fact, let's get biblical for a moment. The reason we have death and suffering is because we live in a fallen world. How's that? It's that simple. We live in a fallen world. Romans tells us that death entered when sin entered. And that's why we have sickness, and that's why we have death. There, so we settled that one. That's not the point. The point is, what do we do now? We don't know how long this time is going to last. Moses had no idea how long he was going to be in that desert. But you know what? God has not changed. Remember when Adam fell and the Lord went looking for him? What did he ask him? Where are you? Where are you? And that's his question to us right now. We are concerned about toilet paper, gloves, soap, hand sanitizer. Not that those practical things are not important, but right now, even among the body of Christ, that's what I hear more, is where do I get and then fill in the blanks. We have totally missed the point if we are focused on hand sanitizer and toilet paper. That's not God's point. He'll provide those things, by the way. He will. He hasn't forgotten. He's still reigning. He knows we need them. Remember, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are not sitting at the only open Starbucks going, oh, did not see this one coming. They are well aware of the circumstance we're in. Well aware. 
They knew before today we would be here in this time. We're the only ones who were taken by surprise, right? So now let's go forward and think about Luke and the shepherds. These shepherds, like Moses, are doing what shepherds do. They're out keeping their flocks, going al along their business, just like I was, just like you were, going along our business. And then all of a sudden, we have this encounter with the living God. And their encounter is announced to them that the Savior is going to be born. You know what they could have said? You know what? Soon as we take care of these sheep, we'll get right on that. And had they not responded, they would have missed the greatest thing to ever happen. You and I are in that same place right now. Right now. Do not miss the greatest thing that God is doing right now. Whatever it looks like, we don't get to determine what it looks like. Shall the thing made say to the one who made it, why have you made me like this? We don't get to do that. We get to respond. We get to turn aside and look. And he, by the way, always notices when we respond. He always notices when we look because that's what he's after. So you have the shepherds in the field. They go, they see the Savior, and then notice what they do. They go out and they tell, they speak about this thing, and they make it widely known. Widely known. Why? Because the greatest thing people need to hear then and now is the message of the gospel. So I'm going to bring you right back to a basic. That is what people need right now. They need to know that the answer is God, yes, but the answer is Jesus Christ. Your Bible and mine says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. After 9-11... The churches were filled, right? You couldn't find your favorite seat in church. The problem is they didn't stay filled for long because once people's lives were settled, they went back, right back to doing what they were doing. In fact, the attendance was worse afterwards. Well, guess what? Look at where we are now. But one thing that did happen after 9-11, it was very popular to talk about God. Everybody was talking about God. After a while, it was God, whomever you know him to be. So let's be very specific. I am talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, that is who people need. And right now, they may be offended if you tell them. I told a man that yesterday, and he said, why can't we just talk about God? Why do you always have to talk about Jesus? We're actually talking about the same person. But, so I told him, because the scripture says, he who has the son has the father. He who does not have the son does not have the father either. So you can have a generic version of God, which is what people are comfortable with. They know God exists. I've told you guys this before. I do not believe there is a such thing as an atheist. I believe people make a choice not to know him because of what it costs them. But I will say this, for those who don't know him, he is only a word away. 
He's only a word away. You don't have to go up into heaven and bring him down. You don't have to descend and bring him up. It's in your mouth. That's what the scripture says, both in the Old Testament and the New. And that's the message that people need to hear. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And that is what people need right now. God's question to the non-believer is, where are you? My answer to the non-believer is turn, is repent and turn. Repent and turn. That is the fastest way to make peace in your life. You may not be able to change a single circumstance, or you might be able to go into the store tomorrow and be the first person to find toilet paper, hand sanitizer, and dish soap. And if you find everything you want, and you do not find salvation, you have found nothing. Absolutely nothing. And that's the message the non-believer must hear. And they must hear it from those of us who, to whom have been committed the commission to go out and tell them. So the Lord's question to us is, where are you? My answer, brothers and sisters, is repent and return. Repent and return. If we have been consumed with our jobs, our lives, all of those things that matter, in a day-to-day -day sense, but not with lost souls, not with the gospel, then we need to repent and return. And we need to remember what we are called here to do. All of this other stuff is how we occupy till he comes. But we have a responsibility to get out the message to a lost and dying world. God has everyone's attention right now, does he not? And if he has their attention, shame on us if we are not sharing the only message of hope that the world has. Because this too shall pass. It always does. But what a shame it would be if it passes with people lost for eternity. What a shame will it be if it passes and we go back to our Christianese, comfortable, everyday lives. What a shame. He saved us for so much more than that. I was talking to a, a gentleman this morning, actually, someone I uh, worked with, and he made the comment to me that, uh, well, if Jesus came, isn't that all about what happens later, as in when you die in eternity? And I said, yes and no. He said, I came that they might have life and that more abundantly. That means now. I don't need abundant life in heaven. I have eternal life in heaven. I have everything I'll ever want in heaven. But for the lost person to come to Christ, know him, love him, be blessed by him, know the, the words we were singing this morning as their own promises, that's the gift. That's what they need to know. That's what they need to hear. And we are the ones who tell them. How will they know unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone tells them?
That someone is us. So God's question today, in the midst of where we are, to the non-believer is, where are you? This is your opportunity. This is your opportunity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's what they need to know. Repent and turn. To you and I, repent for our apathy, our lackluster love life with God, our laziness, our failure to get up in the morning and do devotions, all those things that we have all the time in the world to do now, and no excuse, by the way, and turn, return to our first love, our first love, and his first love, salvation of souls. Amen? That's the word of the Lord. Amen, amen. Well, thank you, Rita, for that great, powerful word. Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> that started way back in the garden with God speaking to Adam, right? Where are you? Where are you? Hallelujah. You know, um, as we enter into this uh, Holy Week, many call it Holy Week, starting today. Today is Palm Sunday. And uh, just over 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered Jerusalem and came to for the sole reason to give his life as a ransom for many, to exchange his life, to give his life. Well, you know, we get into that time of the year that they killed Jesus. No one killed Jesus. Jesus came to give his life. Nobody took his life. He came to give it. And as he came to Jerusalem that Sunday, just over 2,000 years ago today, being Palm Sunday, people took... Uh, branches of trees and palm trees and things they could get in their hands and started waving and saying Hosanna, Hosanna to the king like welcoming the king into Jerusalem and they took their clothes and laid them down uh, as, as a matter of welcome and worship today we lay down our hearts as we enter into this holy week as we begin to think about what Jesus did for us and I want to encourage you and challenge you to do this this week, focus, think, talk, and go into the sacrifice of Jesus being the death and the resurrection of Jesus more than you do coronavirus and all the other stuff happening around us. Focus your time. Be careful that you spend a little more time or more of your time or prioritize your time speaking of what Jesus did for us rather than the things around us right now. And I don't mean to dismiss the reality of what's happening, but let us focus on what Jesus did for us as we enter into this holy week by laying down our hearts, laying down our minds, laying down. We're not doing palm trees and clothes today like they did 2,000 years ago. We're laying down our hearts, laying down our minds, laying down the patterns of everyday life to focus on Jesus, to worship Jesus, to welcome Jesus, and indeed give Him the place that he deserves, the, the, the throne, the throne room of our hearts, the chair of the throne room of our hearts, the place of rulership in our hearts. Um, as we enter into this first day of the week, 
And as we as we begin to celebrate, this is probably the most important time for Christians around the world, right? But listen, the celebration happens in our hearts. Begins in our heart and happens in our heart before we can do anything together. So I'm encouraging you to to go to that place of of beginning to acknowledging what Jesus is and what he did for you in your heart and then it begins to transfer to other people around this Friday night is the so-called Good Friday the Friday that Jesus came to the cross and all shame was put upon him the cares and the weight of the world the sins of the world were laid on his back and upon his shoulders he took yours and my sin he took our brokenness and he took our sickness which includes coronavirus and everything else that goes with it he took it so in Jesus name we go to the promises of God we begin to speak about the sacrifice that Jesus did and the blood of the lamb that was shed so that we could be delivered healed and restored so th- this is the time this is the week that death died forever and life abundant was born to live forevermore what a, what a place what a great place for us to be so just an encouragement consecrate yourself to the Lord give your heart to the Lord this week make time make room turn the attention to Jesus Christ and to the sacrifice that he did and let your heart be full of joy be full of salvation let your heart be full of confidence that if Jesus could beat death what else could stand in his way amen so let me pray for you and 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 let's just join our hearts in prayer because prayer is not uh, restricted prayer is not contained the power of the of, of the Holy Spirit is not contained to the restrictions we have today so let's pray together Oh Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the sacrifice of the Lamb of God upon the cross. I thank you, God, that you wanted to restore fellowship with us and therefore you sent your Son. I thank you, Lord, that death died forever and now we can live forevermore in the place that you've chosen for us to live. I thank you, God, that you have now opened the way. There is a new and living way for us to come to the throne room. Now there's no need for more uh, in-betweens and people and sacrifices, but we, because of Jesus, enter into the very presence of God. I thank you, God, for the freedom that Jesus brought upon us. And as we enter into this holy week, we turn our gaze upon Jesus. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. We turn our hearts upon Jesus. And we begin to worship you and love you and speak of you and of the sacrifice you have made. God, I thank you for all that you're doing even in such a time as this. I pray, God, for every family, every home, every marriage, every son, every daughter, every mother, every father every grandfather, every grandmother, every friend, every cousin, everyone connected to our sphere of influence, that God, you would extend your hand and begin to cause hearts to turn to you, as we heard Rita say today. Let our hearts return. Let our hearts return to you, O God. Father, I thank you that all the promises of God are yes and amen even in such a time as this. I thank you, God, that you are ruling from the throne. 
and we have no reason to fear. We have no reason to abandon anything we believe, but rather stand up, rise up, and speak of and affirm our faith. Hallelujah. Father, I pray that you would strengthen your people around the world, those watching from South Africa, from the Netherlands, those watching from Portugal, those watching from the different places. We bless you in Jesus' name. Those watching across the United States, God, strengthen your people. Heal us. Cause us to overcome as we turn our hearts to you today. <laughs> bless your people, God. Encourage your people and cause us to overcome. I pray, God, that you would baptize every home and every heart with a peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that goes beyond what man and the wisdom of man can say and bring and predict. That we would dwell in this place of your presence, the hiding place of the Most High. <laughs> Hallelujah. I pray that God would really be with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day of the week. And that you would stay encouraged, that you would grab onto the Word of God and really live it out now. This is it, guys. This is, this is the time for the church to arise. This is the time for the church to show the marketplace. This is the time for us to be outside of our doors. And listen, uh, the other day I saw this on Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook, out of all places, right? Somebody said the church is not just uh, you know, out of their buildings. The church is deployed. The church is out and it's deployed to every home, to every marketplace. So let your light so shine. Stand up. Speak of your faith. And may God bless you this week. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. See you all.